0: Green Left Weekly
1: Radio. There is one newspaper that is independent of powerful interests and that's Green Left Weekly.
0: It's a people's voice committed to human and civil rights, environmental sustainability, democracy and equality. It presents ideas mainstream
1: media want. It's the leading source of local, national and international news analysis and discussion and debate to strengthen the anti-capitalist movements. It
0: exposes the lies and distortions of the power brokers and helps us to better understand the world around us. Good morning listeners and welcome to Green Left Radio. And what a week we've had. Isn't that amazing that, um, Four Corners program has, I think, left the nation quite numb.
2: Yeah, it's, um, it's what's kind of like you know um, shocking is that it's actually not particularly new information. Um, in fact, it was reported in Indigenous media about a year ago, um, and I had actually wrote an article um, about it like six to seven months ago for the Green Left Weekly. Though it didn't really have any sort of new information. It kind of covered. All the kind of pre, it was like a, um, a summary of all the kind of previous sources that have actually revealed all this. And so it was actually, there was nothing new in the four corners and, um, presentation that uh, I, I, had a, I had an interesting discussion with a co-worker yesterday, um, asked me about what I was doing on the weekend. I said, yes, I was going to the protests, um, about, against the sort of inhumane treatment of, um, Aboriginal children and juvenile dubious um, tension he was like um, he was he was sort of had this impression that all the information four corners was completely new what? and um, and that there were and but that is kind of like reflective of you know um, that little anecdote there's kind of reflective of you know how it's kind of been sort of put behind the fringes of the mainstream and it's only just become mainstream you know thanks to the four corners documentary
0: yes but the forecast, this is not the first program they've done. They've done a similar one in 2010. It's not as graphic and not probably as dramatic, mm. but there was another program in 2010. So, and also we've had the black that's in custody like 25 years ago. Mm. All the stuff was contained in that, in that report. And the recommendations were ignored by the government. This is Royal Commission recommendations. So they're having another Royal Commission. And it's headed by an ex-NT judge, I think, High Court judge. So it all seems a bit funny to me at the moment, but Mm. we'll um, wait and see what happens. I'm sure everybody will be watching. I think that, I think one of the the things I noticed, um, is um, that the journalists have been quite radical. They've pushed questions. They have pushed Uh, People they have been interviewing um, quite hard on this. Mm. But before we do that, we haven't introduced ourselves, Jacob. Hi, yeah, I'm Jacob. (laughs) I'm
2: here in the program today for Green Left Radio.
0: And um, Lalita Chalaya. Sorry about that. We just got a bit carried away with that. Mm. I think at at work, you know, the pediatricians all shocked. And uh, one of the things um, that has um, transpired is that the pediatricians... Association, um, what do they call themselves? The, uh, Royal Australian College of Physicians has welcomed today's, um, uh, well, yesterday's announcement, Royal Commission. The, um, they have put out a media release, and the, one of the key things they say is, um, is this. I'll just read out from the press release. It says, adolescence is a critical time in a person's development. It's imperative that juvenile detention provides opportunities for young offenders. To rehabilitate and develop healthy behaviors for life, the Four Corners program revealed that this is clearly not happening. Mm-hmm. Many of the victims are now at risk of long-term physical and mental health problems. The Royal Commission is an important development. The incarceration culture of the N.T. needs to needs a complete overhaul. So the um, Members of this association have offered invaluable expertise and experience. As I said, sadly, many have seen the negative impacts of incarceration on detainees and the, um, and the community, and so have I, hmm. um, at a different level, of course, but that's, that's what's coming. So I think we've got that all gathered off our chest, and um, we've got to let listeners know what we've um, got for the program. We've got um, three interviews, which will come up very quickly because of the time availability um, of the interviewees. Uh, one of them from La the Uni, um, the other one from the Kurdish community, and the third one is from the Afghan community. Yep. So they're sort of fairly coming coming out fairly quickly because the Spacing is a bit mm-hmm. difficult. And we're sort
2: of going to cover, like, um, through those interviews, we're going to cover some, you know, a very, a local kind of issue, um, related to La Shrobe. Um, we're going to, um, talk about, you know, um, this whole issue we're talking about with, you know, how, sh- um, Aboriginal um, children are treated in juvenile detention. And also the big sort of, um, I'm sure many, um, listeners might be aware. Or, um, of you know the bit, what's happening in Turkey right now and so that interview will hopefully sort of shed some more light on that on that such political so situation
0: we, we have local national and international which is good yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so what's um in the news what's trending so to speak
2: um well in in um Right now, what um, in, there was a, in Sydney, um, a Kurdish Australian journalist, um, Renaz Lekin was, um, actually charged under anti-terrorist laws at Parramatta local court on July 21st. Um, he was refused bail, and, um, the accusation was, it was based on the fact that he, um, was the charges accuse him of being member of the Kurdistan Workers' Pay, the PKK, which is considered um, a terrorist organisation um, under Australian under in, in Australia. Although there currently is a campaign to take the PKK off the terrorist list, um, but actually there's actually been a recent development um, since then. Um, uh, Though he has. Yesterday, he had actually gone to court, and um, this article has been put up in the Green Left Weekly just um, last night. Um, I actually was up <coughs> when it just got put up. Um, basically, uh, the development is um, in the court case. Uh, um, summary is... Well, he hasn't been... Free. Well, he hasn't been... Uh, it's it's basically... Sorry, I'm just... That's <laughs> yes, okay.
0: Read. read from your thing.
2: Yep. Um, basically, a bow hearing in Sydney local... Um, Central Local Court today opened an extraordinary and important political trial. Kurdish journalist um, Renaz Lakin, um who spent the last five years reporting from the war of avaged uh, Iraqi Kurdistan, silently watched proceedings while video-linked from the high security section of Silver um, War Jail, while the per- prosecution um, um, opposed bail. Um, basically, the, the, per, um, the prosecution claimed it had substantial, if only subsca- circumstantial, evidence that um, Lincoln was a member of the PKK. This, it was exerted, including photographs from social media websites showing him in refugee camps, allegedly controlled by the PKK, and clothing claimed to be the uniform of PKK militia and holding a weapon. It also included testimony from a Danish reporter who said that Lincoln appeared to have authority and And respect among young PKK members.
0: And we'll talk more about that because the the Kurdish um, representative will go into some of it. And also the um, political situation in Kurdistan. So we'll have more details. When we talk to him. So, what's happening with the CUB uh, strike, guide Anyone following that?
3: Well, I've come in, I've, I've come into Hi, the show. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. Yes. Well, uh, <laughs> this week, actually, this week in the Green Left Weekly, I have I managed to uh, screw uh, to put something together with, uh, in in that regard. And uh, I was I, w- I I was at the picket line yesterday as well. Yes. With, uh, uh also uh, s- uh, some of the students who came down to support the brewery workers now um, <coughs> excuse me at the moment at the, mo- at the moment things uh, things uh, things seem to be going al- along the same uh, trajectory so uh the the brewery itself is still uh, is, is still uh, very heavily under capacity because mm. the uh, the workers who have uh, quit the um and the workers who have qu- uh, who have uh, sorry the workers who have been uh, locked out uh, by th- by the company, considering their non, nine combined experience of nine hundred and six years, work were obviously very skillful in, pr- in producing beer beer of, at the br- at the brewery. So the co- the company uh, the, uh, the the company is still around uh, ra- around about just under fifty percent production rate over at the brewery. Mm-hmm. And, um.
0: Yeah, and I also believe that, um, some scams have crossed the line. Now, we've got the first interviewee on the, online. We'll continue discu- this discussion after the interviews. Sounds Dennis, good. before you came, I was just announcing that we've got the interviews fairly quickly, quickly one after the other, simply because of the availability of the interviewees. Mm-hmm. They all are going off to work, so we need to catch them before they run away. All right. So, we'll have more it's discussion it's later.
2: Brain left radio.
4: <laughs>
0: And this is our first interview um, online. Good morning, Tishara. Good
1: morning. How are you? Good. How are you?
0: Yeah,
1: not too bad. Mm,
0: Very, very busy. All the cuts in Latrobe are taking its toll on you. Yeah,
1: they are a little bit.
0: And Mm -hmm. um, you're going to talk to us about um, what's going on with... um, It it was a bit sudden, wasn't it? Because I don't think it's hit the news yet. Tell us more about it. No. Yeah.
1: It hasn't hit the news yet. Um, it has locally, but but not...
0: Mainstream.
1: Yeah, not mainstream. And um, it's it's not sudden, though. This has been going on for several years. Yeah, to be true. Quite
0: honest. Yeah, but this is a major cut, a major move, isn't it?
1: It is a major move. Um, so La Trobe University has decided to cut from their arts departments in, at Bendigo and Mildura. Um, they're they're selling it as they're working to become the premier arts destination in regional Victoria. But they're doing so by proposing cuts to their Bachelor of Creative Arts, which are likely to commence in the first semester of the New Year. That's
0: very contradictory.
1: It is very contradictory. It's a very contradictory proposal. Um, with this proposal what we'll see is potentially less staff and less options for students to learn a diverse range of media
0: Right, so uh, how much of the art faculty are they actually culling out?
1: So at the moment there are 5.5 full time equivalent um, teaching staff and if the proposed cuts go forward there will be 1.6, that's just at the Bendigo campus and what we'll see is uh, three current majors will be gone and replacing them will be um, painting, drawing and digital technology, where at the moment we currently have fine arts, photography and graphic design. They're saying that, you know, this is in a climate where um, digital uh, technologies are really needed in the arts, but they're cutting the majority of digital technologies out of their courses.
0: And how are they explaining these cuts to shadow? It just completely doesn't make sense listening to what you're saying.
1: Well, it doesn't make sense at all. They're um, looking at this and saying to us that it's a measure of continuous improvement. They're also saying that um, there were problems with the current course. I think one of the, um, one of the most concerning comments that they, that they make in the change proposal is that the proposed current arts, um, curriculum, none of the 73 subjects offered at Bendigo campus or 46 at the Majura campus were compliant with regards to assessment items or rubrics um, and La Trobe essentials and other capstone requirements, which is really concerning for the students that are studying now and have studied. And they're saying that this these change proposal is a measure to um, address that but they're not doing it in the right way and they're cutting from all the wrong places and they're going to do it with less staff.
0: That, that doesn't make... Uh, hang on. So they're cutting the, all this, the, the list of things that you've um, just stated. Are they replacing it with an uh, alternative um, well, art uh, program or is it just <laughs> a complete... Yeah, so
1: they definitely are. So what they're doing is they're, they're getting rid of fine arts photography and graphic design Um, graphic design which was a big enrollment major as well and they're replacing that with painting drawing and digital design so digital technologies will go from two majors into one and will probably um include video we're not sure because we still don't know what what subjects will be offered and what electives will be offered they're not talking to the students um, and several students are now writing to the to the VC and the change committee, and we're just not getting the answers that
4: we need.
2: Yeah. From my understanding, is it, it seems like what they're doing is actually amalgamating a lot some of these subjects. Would that be accurate to say? For because a lot of it seems to be they're aiming for more generalisation and less specialisation for the that's, course.
1: That's exactly what it looks like. That's exactly what it looks like, unless you look at painting and drawing. But painting and drawing is just one component or one media that the arts industry needs. And it looks like that they're they're getting rid of everything else. We're going back in history. Mm. To me, that says that photography and design is not art. And that's just not where we're at.
0: Yes, the, the problem is the, the overarching framework within which we're working at the moment is that it started off with the three R's in, in lower schooling areas and then we, we are focusing on business and science and arts being left in the back burner. Would you agree with that?
1: I would absolutely agree with that. I think people forget that arts are a significant contributor to the social, cultural and economic welfare of our society. And it's much easier for, um, for them to forget that, that art creates vibrant, connected and creative communities, you know. And I think, you know, in our capitalist society, it's much more important to be successful in business than it is to be creative.
0: Mm. One of the key things I find is people forget or, or perhaps not see... The connection between art and science because in the end when you do research you have to have a theory and a theory is something that's creative in your, you know, you need to imagine a theory, write it up and then research it. And if you don't have that creative ability or component in, in the way you do things, it's not even a scientific process. You know, it's, it's, the connection is, is totally missed because you have to have lots of imagination to come up with a theory surely. I, I just.
1: Very true. You know, particularly with conceptual art today, research is a massive component of that. And we work interdisciplinary with so many other um, streams across uh, academia in order to come up with uh, our finished product. Um, and science is a, is a big factor there, absolutely.
0: Mm. So tell me, what's, what's happening here? What's the response like from students, student unions, and anyone else <laughs> is willing to or is concerned about this issue?
1: Well, if it wasn't, um, the students weren't told. Uh, that's pretty much how, how Latrobe decided to deal with students. Um, we were left in the dark, and I acquired some confidential documents that were sent to all of the humanities staff, and I made those public, and now students are furious. Um, they're furious, they're worried what um, th- their past studies mean, and where they'll go in the future, they're not getting the answers that they want. So they've started writing to the VC and to the change committee and um, a, a Facebook page is being set up called Quality Education at La Trobe and we're using that to get information out to the staff. And we're asking the public to jump on board as well. You know, If you value the arts in your community, you need to value the arts in the education system as well.
0: Let's try it. and it you know it looks like it's a, a battle is brewing, and Latrobe Trobe over this issue. Would that be right? Yeah,
1: it certainly is. It a- certainly is. And the students'
0: union um, have they started anything yet? And anything that public can participate in?
1: Um, the the Bendigo Student Association is supporting us, um, so they've organised uh, a teleconference. One of the students um, that we nominated attended a teleconference. Yesterday, with Tanya, with Tanya Fitzgerald, who's leading the change committee. But um, apart from that, there's not much more support given. And um, interestingly, being a regional campus, we're not covered by um, La Trobe Student Union. Mm. We have our own student organisation, um, which tends to be less political.
4: Mm.
0: So Tashara, what is your position there and um, how can um, people get involved?
1: I think the, the best way for people to get involved is to get on Facebook and go to the Quality Education at Bendigo Latrobe page and get in contact with us. Um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of campaigns that are going to be coming up about this and, and that's one of the ways that we're going to notify people.
0: Okay. And you are part of the Students' Union, Tashara?
1: Um, I'm I'm a member of the Bendigo Student Association but what we're doing is sort of separate from them this is just a group of a group of students that have studied art or hold value in the arts that are upset and want to do something about
4: it
0: okay thank you so much and um, hopefully the people will at least now they are being informed they will give you your support Um, thank you so much for being available the star of the morning Tashara not a problem, thank you
1: for speaking
0: to me Okay, thank you, bye Bye. Okay, that was Tashana from the Bendigo Latrobe Students Union Association So, y- did you guys know about that? It just came out of the blue for me, but you know, it's obviously been happening for some time.
2: Well, mm. um, it's not actually not the first cuts that Latrobe no, has no, no. been
3: doing No, well, certainly no. Well, Latrobe from, from the previous uh, years when I kind of realised that uh, Latrobe has almost been turned into some, uh, some sort of a, uh, you know, some sort of a Laboratory for cuts that the, that will be implemented on to other on the other universities whenever whenever uh, whenever cuts to f- to tertiary education are announced trope is always the first ones to the first one to hit the guillotine uh in victoria in, in victoria and it comes to thats i um, i reckon, reckon that 's true of both sort of the the you know the undergraduate graduate uh, uh, d- the, but also of, of TAFE, you know, when, when the Lilydale, uh, TAFE was, um, uh, closed down.
0: Yeah. And so that, that doesn't exist anymore, does it?
3: No, uh, I think, I think, I think it was actually reopened when the state government returned, uh, the, uh in 20, in, t- in, 20, in 2014, but other than that, other than that, now the, the, the cuts, uh, that Latrobe endures traditionally stay, uh, st- uh, stay in place permanent, permanently
0: yeah, Education is a big issue isn't it? And you, and you wonder how people actually are going to get their students uh, get their children through school when it, everything is privatised and now the courses are being totally dictatorially cut and rearranged to suit the profit making motives of these this universities who are forced to um, find funding elsewhere, mm. and uh, international students. I think there's, there's a um, article about international students um, in, in Green Life Weekly this week. It talks about international students who are cash cows and also targets of racism.
3: Well, That's tradition has, has been the traditionally the case everywhere uh, across across Australia.
0: Yeah. How how did you fare as an overseas student? Um well, <laughs>
3: n- uh, bad question. Uh, <laughs> bad uh, question. Uh, uh, not not a bad, bad question because I face any prejudice since I'm white. Um, uh, true. But, but when uh, you start talking. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Of course.
0: I know a lot of um, you know, international students who... I remember one of the international students who was living with me for a little while. He was just a <coughs> a, a, a friend. Um, a friend's son And um, He got beaten up twice mm-hmm. Both times on campus And it was just The racism Towards him Was just appalling You know It Absolutely. just broke him I think it Psychologically damaged him. I think it's hard For overseas students To study in, in um, Universities And yet They You know, they, they're supposed to bring in the cash. And, and here you've got the other situation where this, this is a battle going on, isn't there? It's Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a cut to, to save money, or so to speak, save money. Rearrange the curriculum so it can maximize the income because there's less funding from the government, mm-hmm. and yet these cash cows, so to speak, are targets of racism.
3: Well, the universities, the universities themselves basically become, you know, uh, well, they're not uh, really meant to. They're not. They're not there, you know, creating any new new thoughts or education. They're basically uh, factories that manu- that manufacture consent. And, um, you know, intellectual, yes. intellectual consent and the intellectual students are basically the most, are basically probably the most ex- exploited um, uh, members of it. So, b- b- so if we think of uh, international students as, uh, as the workers, they'll, they'll probably the, be the most exploited, you know, they will, just like, just like the work, just like the workers on the factories or, um, uh, the other uh, workplaces, they are the ones producing all the, all the money and profit, yes. and they're the ones simultaneously facing yep. exploitation and exploitation and discrimination.
0: It's awful. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to uh, Friday Breakfast and Green Life Radio. Now, we've got um, Mahmoud Rahman on, on the phone. He's from the Kurdish Association. And we're going to talk about the latest um, developments for the Kurds in Turkey. Good morning, uh, Mahmoud.
4: Good morning. How are you? Thank you. Thanks.
0: Um, so tell us, Mahmoud. Um, the the last bit of news I saw was the uh, attack by uh, Erdogan on the Kurdish community by closing almost all the Kurdish schools that you have you had established. Would that be right? Yes. I mean,
4: they were private schools.
0: Okay, so tell us what's going on with um, the, the, the Turkish situation Be- since the um, <clears throat> attacks, there has been harsh attacks on the Kurdish. As they, uh, there's, there's a view that um, this attack has been used by Tayyip uh, Erdogan to attack minorities.
4: Yes, look, uh, um, uh, as you know, uh, since last year, war intensified in uh, Kurdistan, Kurdish region and after ceasefire are broken, and government uh, give all the control to army in, in Kurdistan, in uh, Kurdish towns and Kurdish cities, Popula- population over 100,000, 150,000, all uh, destroyed by army. And and now we have over half million people uh, homeless because their home destroyed by government, and those cities and towns been evacuated, and people, living around the cities uh, whatever they have they uh, they build some kind of shelters and uh, unfortunately they don't have enough uh, food even clothing and kurdish diaspora or kurdish people living in turkey and kurdistan they're uh, trying to uh, help them uh, there was a uh, un- unfortunately uh, such an inhumane uh, attack against uh, kurds it's still going on and at the same time, probably, we'll talk uh, uh, about uh, the coup happen. Those army who have such a uh, influential power or full power in Kurdistan, they attempt uh, the coup in Turkey as well.
0: Okay, so <clears throat> what are the um, immediate issues for the Kurdish people at the moment?
4: Look, uh, uh, as I said, over half a million people now are homeless and they they should have uh, home or shelter and uh, enough food or clothing before winter approach because we, winter is very harsh in uh, uh, in Kurdistan in Kurdish uh, region and uh, and also uh, after uh, this uh, we believe somehow a peace process should uh, start negotiations should should start, but uh, we are not really optimistic after this Q attempt and also after Mr. Erdogan also almost achieved his ambition to uh, have all the power in his hands. He is now uh, more powerful than before Q. And uh, this is going to be a very hard time for uh, Kurdish people. Unfortunately, I'm not much optimistic at the moment.
0: So what's the position of the HDP at the moment?
4: Uh, HDP, Uh, In 2005, 7 July uh, election, they had almost 80 member of parliament, and they got 13 percent of vote. As you know, Mr. Erdogan his his counseled this uh, um, election, and they have another election, and we went that election under big attack, and almost all their office has been burned on raid, and now uh, they uh, recently they removed uh, parliamentarian. Um, you mean of uh, HDP's uh, um, uh, MPs and any time they can be arrested and they ask to go and uh, court uh, to, uh, for interrogation, but they uh, collectively deny this, they said we are not uh, guilty, we haven't done anything wrong, we're not going to play part of this, uh, we're not going to be part of this anti-democratic process, but uh, government now uh, of or judiciary have power to even uh, arrest them. Uh, they, I mean, they still uh, actively working within Kurdish community, within Turkish community, and trying to uh, be voice of the democracy. Uh, but uh, as I said, uh, uh, the, uh, all media uh, close up to them, and they can't uh, go on, uh, any media because now almost 80% of media controlled by uh, government. Even those media. Not controlled by government, mainly nationalist, uh, Kemalist media, they, they're not letting them to uh, have any interview. And a uh, lot of pressure on HDP. Oh, yeah.
2: what, is, um, what, what do you know about um, the sort of political character of the kind of forces that are trying to sort of overthrow Aragon?
4: Look, Edouard uh, blame his uh, former ally, his uh, former friend uh, uh, Gulen. We believe, uh, yes, there is uh, uh, there is a Gulen involvement in this coup uh, attempt, but they, they, probably there is some other elements as well, some elements of army more secular but have some tied with West, because in Turkish army also some part of army wants to be close more East or or Russia, China, or, or uh, but uh, one still one part of army is more close to uh, uh, USA or. We, put, we believe they may play some roles. This, uh, Gulen, I just want to say a few things about him, maybe you'll listen to us now. Uh, he is, in, in during the 1970s, he is the one of the first persons who opened the association to uh, called anti-communist, uh, struggle against anti-communist association. He was anti-communist. And and he recently claims he, he's, he was against all uh, military cues against Turkey, which is not true, it's t- totally it's, it's not, not true In, uh, after 1980's coup and there was a strategy by Turkish government and military to have also international strategy by USA to have green belt I mean support more Islamic groups against socialists or left or against Soviet Union and he, this uh, Gulen opportunistically take this uh, he take this opportunity his movement became a very, stru- uh, very strong after 1980s military uh, coup, and he uh, started um, control almost all government institution in two- 2000s in ear- uh, 2000, early 2000 or till 2013. But suddenly the power struggle uh, between him and his close friend Mr. Erdogan, I think uh, uh, there is uh, in terms of. Both men, uh, Abdullah Gulen and Mr. Erdogan, they come coming from conservative, Islamic background, and both of them have almost the same ideology, but this is, was uh, a power struggle, mainly power struggle, nothing to do with democracy. Both of the men not really in favor of uh, uh, democ- democracy. And, but unfortunately, Mr. Erdogan also take this opportunity to, The crackdown and almost all opposition and so far, I think 60 or 70,000 people sacked from their uh, public office, including uh, 20,000 teachers. There's a big crackdown in in Turkey, I guess, media Uh, outlets. we, I mean, as a Kurdish community, we against all uh, military coup. Queue. Military coups never bring uh, democracy right. anywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, but also there is uh, there is uh, 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 contra coup by I can say the uh, Erdogan as well, which is against democracy too. He's pro- he took this opportunity to promote himself a pe- person who is defending democracy, which is not true at all.
0: So it's a battle between all the right-wing conservative forces for power, isn't it?
4: Yes. There is Kemalist involvement as well. But recently, part of the Kemalist or ultra-Kemalist, they joined to Erdogan, only reason to crack down uh, uh, Kurdish uh, struggle. This is the only reason. They come together. In future, if they're able to uh, crack down or, or the Kurdish uh, struggle, And in future, probably there will be another coup. Look, I think it's important to say this: as long as uh, Kurdish question not solved, uh, there is always danger of military coup in in Turkey. Because army gets uh, all the power while they're fighting against Kurdistan Workers Party or or fighting against uh, uh, Kurdish people. Probably important to say just before coup, and there is one law passed in Turkish Parliament. only HTP opposed this law. Uh, uh, this new law gives power to army during the operation. Uh, none of the army personnel uh, can be prosecuted. And a day before uh, military coup, this uh, law approved by President Erdogan. And, and uh, I mean, your listeners can see the contradiction. Yes. Uh, they, on the one hand, they give all the powers to army now army non-army member can be prosecuted whatever they did in Kurdistan and of course if the army has so much power and they want to rule their, uh, country themselves as, as well and this is always going to happen uh, uh, real uh, if we want to prevent future coup, probably the only way to uh, Turkey to have real democracy, real human rights and army should be only responsible for uh, def defending country if any external uh, att- 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 attacks mm. and otherwise uh, this queue is going to happen uh, again and uh, again and also just after the queue uh, Mr. Erdogan said oh, this queue uh, is a gift uh, uh, from God and,
0: yes, yes he did this,
4: <laughs> this is a what to be questioned why Q should be gift from the God that because because of Q, uh, thanks to queue and now he, he's got all the power and all uh, he's, he is now chairing uh, a ministerial uh, in in turkey and uh, uh, they call state of emergency and now under his power any kind of uh, uh, law or can be passed
0: mm. which is very sad because um, the west also now supports him and rely on him to solve the refugee crisis in europe so, thank yeah, you so
4: yeah, much. They, they, yeah, th- th- thank you very much. Thanks for the support. Thanks, Mahmoud. Okay, thank oh, you. Bye. Also, sorry, maybe I can make one announcement. On, sure. Uh, uh, sun- Sunday, and at, at 3 p.m., uh, Kurdish and Turkish community will be gathering at the Federation Square to say uh, we want democracy now in, in Turkey uh, and military cues and contra cues is not solution for uh, Turkey, Turkey. So, that's for,
0: this Sunday?
4: This Sunday at uh, 3, 3 p.m., in front of uh, uh, the Federation, uh, sorry, at the Federation Square, and they're going to be Kurdish and also uh, Turkish uh, uh, community organization uh, which is supporting this uh, demonstration.
0: Thank you very much, Mahmoud.
4: Thank you. Thanks for this opportunity. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye. bye.
0: And that was Mahud Rahman from the Kurdish Association talking about the plight of the Kurdish people who have been waging a, a war for like
3: almost 40 years. Of course, had a war waged on them, rather. That's true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll be half asleep here. But um, just in association with the Kurdish people, um, there's a um, film. It's called Women at War, Kurdistan. And um, it's about women who have fought as part of the P- PKK and the um, Kurdish community to safeguard their communities. And that's on the 19th of August, which is a Friday at 6.30 p.m. at the Resistance Center, level 5407 Swanson Street. It's $10 waged and $5 um, concession. There's also meal to be purchased. Okay, Mm. and you're listening to Friday. Sorry,
3: (laughs) not as good as mine. Oh, (laughs) it's America versus Russia here.
0: (laughs) Um, You're listening to um, Friday Breakfast and Green Love Radio, uh, and it's Dennis who um, arrived (laughs) late, (laughs) and Jacob and Lalita at the helm to take you through to eight thirty. Now. Um, what's the next bit of news, guys? There's um, lots of news going uh, around.
3: Well, indeed, indeed, at the moment, so the fresh, uh, just uh, actually just um, uh, fresh off the press or fresh off the of the headlines is the massive strike happening over at the over in over in northern West and uh, the true yeah yeah warehouse of of polar of polar fresh where six hundred and fifty workers uh, have gone on an indefinite strike yes. action mm. uh, supported by the trade union the national union of workers everybody's favorite trade union <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, against um, basically against further job insecurity and uh, casualization and demanding a three dollar uh, uh, increase in their wage from $27 an so hour to pittance, 30 a pittance.
0: A pittance. Yes.
3: And, uh, and that's also considering, like, you know, Polar Fresh. So I, I think some background needs to be given here. Uh, the Polar Fresh uh, company, which controls the warehouse, um, that supplies, that supplies all, all the chilled produce to Coles. Uh, uh, supermarkets around around victoria and and uh, and tasmania here so that's you know they're talking about your dairy your uh, b- uh, beef uh, and one white meats so uh, having having a having a massive warehouse like this with six hundred and fifty workers shut down overnight that is is bound to it's bring i yeah. 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 I've, I've, I've
2: seen some pictures on social media of yeah. um empty you know coals sort of Cold yeah. shelves, like you know, there's yes. no meat
3: or yeah, exactly. Th- yeah, the two things happening. They One w- is
0: they've got alternative suppliers, according to the news yesterday. Yes. and they also there was a court decision
3: injunction. Yeah, yeah,
0: to um, stop the strike.
3: Yeah, well, uh, basically, uh, from from what I understand, because well, the the has used the the Supreme Court injunction against the NUW many times uh, previous, uh, previously during a lot of the other strikes. Uh, bas- basically, basically, what that means that the workers uh, from the uh, from the warehouse can no longer blo- can no longer directly blockade the you know the entrances mm-hmm. uh, to the uh, to the warehouse so they cannot directly blockade the, trans- the transportation of chilled goods to and from uh, polar fresh and Chugunina. but that's but the um, the work is, uh, the work is about to continue, uh, you know, the strike, ac- strike, uh, strike action in every other possible, uh, way. I remember back in 2014 when there was a huge, when there was a huge, uh, strike, a uh, very, very sort of well, uh, well-known strike action over at the, over in Summerton with the, uh, the Super A-Mart warehouse. Um, yeah. it was, uh, the company, uh, the company basically went, excuse me. The company basically basically went through the same through the same procedure. So the workforce got locked out after demanding wage rises and stopped the casualization and you know um, supporting OH&S on, on site. And after blockading the the place for about for a couple of weeks, the so the company brought in this, the Supreme Court injunction. Uh, so workers could no longer block it. Instead, they went to a whole bunch of, uh, you know, Super A-marts, uh, Super A-marts um, stores to for like flash mob actions and inform the public of what's what's happening. Not to stop buying, not to buy Super mm-hmm. A-marts goods until a strike came over. That's and right. so the NEW the N.W. even bu- even uh, organized a bus uh, a bus a bus trip. Uh, from Melbourne to Sydney to directly confront the CEO, <laughs> the, the CEO. about what was happening in that particular uh, warehouse? So this is just our, our, this is just a first, you know, a step to to what I think that could actually be one of the uh, the biggest strike uh, strike actions for a long in, time. Uh, I would say this year it is definitely it's, I would say it's definitely going to be the first, the the biggest industrial action in Victoria. Yeah, uh, this year.
0: And what's happening at the um, CUB we talked about? Yes, today? yes, uh, Well,
3: it's uh, basically, basically it's it's more of the same. Um, you know, the the trade unions. Uh, well. Uh, the the ETU's social and uh, social public media campaign about uh, you know boycotting the CB products has gone quite wi- viral and quite well mm. uh, down. That's good to t- know. Going down with the public really well. Yeah, uh, actually, is important. Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, we were talking about some of the uh, some of the boycotts crossing the, crossing the picket, the picket line. Picket line, yeah. That's before. that has happened. I think it was about uh, five or six Yeah, something. last yeah when I was uh, when I was down at the uh, at the picket yesterday. That's where I was. Uh, that's what i was told uh about five of them went back uh, that's uh, disappointing yes, yes well, while is. the
0: missionary is complex and unique to their place it's apparently you, you those five or six people who across the Britain line have the capacity to teach other camps who are coming in or being brought in uh,
3: that's definitely the, yeah that's definitely that's definitely possible um yeah of course like but, but, but the thing you think is though what from uh, from what steve told us well on the Green Left Radio, and also just in general, is that this kind of specialized work cannot really be taught, you know, overnight or even within, yeah. within weeks, you know, in a hurry. The yeah. guys, uh, the, uh, the guys are on the job. They do a five to six year apprenticeship in a in jewel ju- in special in a jewel speciality. Hmm. So it's, um, yeah, it, it will, be, will be quite difficult for the company to actually. Properly replace workers and run and, 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 and run, actually produce and that amount. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they're not producing that amount. That's the whole point. They're still the the brewery is obviously still under, still is still heavily under, uh, under under production capacity. And the you know the um, the closer we get, the closer we get to uh, the grand final, oh, the yes. more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course, the, more the pressure, important the m- question.
3: <laughs> the more pressure we, uh, uh, the work is actually putting on the C B. Yeah,
0: good to exert that sort of pressure. It's like going on strike near Christmas time, when they've got lots of sales. Isn't
4: yes. It? Yep. Yes.
0: Okay. Now has Um. um
3: he's disappeared. Jacob. No. no uh, uh, Jacob's currently trying trying to fetch us our next interview. Yep. So, mm, and well.
0: um, I think he's um, still trying. Maybe the lines playing up as usual. Okay. So. To um, so some international news, there's some um, uh, news from Pakistan where women are being uh, terrorized, farmers are being terrorized. In fact, the anti-terror laws are being uh, applied to peasant leaders. Uh, it says that in, the, in the dead of night, um, just a few days ago, uh, a, a, a snake, The police went into, in the dead of night, went into one of the villages in the um, Okra city in Punjab um, and several dozen police officers forced entry into the house um, of one of the younger brothers of the jailed peasant, uh, Mayor Abdul Sattar. They broke down down the door and they are being uh, chased and I'm I'm trying to work out why they are being chased because um, the... Pakistani state black brush is being used to paint any dissenting voices as a terrorist international action plan. The plan is now directed towards the ongoing peasants' movement in the heart of Punjab. Now, um, the security framework has allowed the state to create an atmosphere of repression in the Okra Okra military farms. Now, the state has arrested (coughs) – Sattar was arrested on on the 15th of April, who is one of the leaders – and, um, is being, for, uh, as being a foreign agent, uh, working for the Indian Intelligence Agency. The research analysis wing raw. The, um, allegation was, uh, tied to Satan's visit to Nepal in 2007. Um, he attended a South Asian Alliance for po- uh, Poverty uh, Eradication, um, uh, conference. Now, to provide this measly accusation with teeth, the police staged the raid. And they found eighty-five thousand um, Indian rupees. Apparently, this is apparently all the proof required to brand someone a spy, an anti-state agent. due uh, process he he processes he demand hundreds of villagers on the um, tender hooks after hearing the um, the attack, of course. So in Pakistan, they anything Indian, they jump at it. It's a very mm-hmm. this this battle between India and and. Pakistan has been going on for decades, yes. in fact, since the independence in 1947. So this poor guy who's a peasant trying to do something that he enjoys, attending a conference about poverty, is being arrested just because he has some million rupees in his hand to go over to the conference and back. And things are expensive in India. You can't just walk over with 10 rupees and, and make your way into India. So that, that attack is going on. And uh, even the peasants can't have solidarity and the p- poor people can't have solidarity action. Now, Jacob, you've got Ken on the line.
2: Uh, I wasn't able to get on to him, unfortunately.
3: Yet. Uh, perhaps we could, perhaps we could we try, try later, later. on. Yep. Try right later on, yep. Okay. Anyways.
0: And... Um, we are going to move on to talk about the struggle in zimbabwe mm.
3: yes yes indeed well our next uh, news item from the international section so we have uh, we have uh, leo zelig here, here with, an, with an excellent article on what's happening in zimbabwe uh, there's been um, mm, there's, be, there's, there's been quite a uh, uh, quite a huge upheaval in s- in the social movements uh, uh, acti- activity over in the african nation as, as uh, says the national shutdown or stay away in Zimbabwe this month has paralyzed the country. So for the first time in years the country's ruling party is ZANU-PF and the tenure of the 92-year-old President Robert Mugabe have uh, have been seriously rattled. The young people, workers and traders who survived by hawking food and cheap imported goods engaged in bitched battle- battles with the police and army, in many cases outnumbering the security forces. And um uh, there's been uh, also nurses, teachers, doctors, and other civil servants uh, have already been on strike, and many have not been paid uh, for the month of June. On July 4th, protesters assembled in Harare, Zimbabwe's capital, ahead of the national strike in the civil service. Uh, on July 6th, a huge national shutdown, when people stay away from work, was held across the country. So most cities and towns were. Drawn into the protest, and in the southern city of uh, Bulawayo, almost all shops in the CBD and large suburbs were closed. So local, the local transport for the poor, combis, sm- small um, Volkswagen vans, and, and had parked their vehicles and joined the stayaway. In the high-density poor routes, residents built barricades and fought the police. So. Really feel, it really feels like it's uh, brewing uh, a, rebelli- uh, sorry, a rebellion alongside uh, some of those that took place in the 90s It uh, seems to be brewing as there was a uh, back in the, uh, as Leo continues writing here, back in, the, in the 1999 there was a mass opposition group uh, was formed, Movement for Democratic Change which uh, swore to unseat the ZANU-PF uh, uh, ruling, uh, ruling party um, even though, even though, even though, even though the, uh, the movement unfortunately went through a series of, uh, well, has unfortunately not been able to, uh, has unfortunately not been able to effectively provide a political alternative to, uh, to, to, Mug- to, to Mugabe or in, indeed, uh, from Gaunt. But now it seems, uh, now it seems that, that there's, there's a very ample, well, there isn't just, uh, there, there doesn't just seem to be, you know, widespread dissatisfaction with uh, Mugabe's regime, but, uh, but, but also there are some new and very serious economic reasons for that. Since the recently the government again courted international financial institutions and the finance, um, and the Zimbabwe the Finance Minister Patrick Chinamasa and Reserve Bank Governor John Mangduya said that the International Monetary Fund Sorry, with loan Zimbabwe 984 million dollars in the third quarter this year, and we all know what happens when you take loans That's from right. the International right. Monetary Fund yeah. and what you are expected to do to the economy as a result.
0: In the in the meantime, Mugabe is building has built palatial palaces. He's such an extravagant president, isn't he? And he's 92. What what? I don't understand. People don't know when it's time to retire. I cannot comprehend that. <laughs> Surely he okay. must have grandchildren he wants to play with. I don't get it. <laughs>
3: uh, I think I think, uh, I think we need to be a little bit, a little a little bit, a little bit careful about bringing, bringing age into this. Let's not forget. No, 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 no I'm not, sorry. <laughs> let's not forget. Let's not forget. Uh, uh, comrade Fidel Castro was. Uh, Was uh, the uh, the leader of the of the of the revolution for nearly fifty years, (laughs) but he had an
0: overpower, you know.
3: That's that is true. That is true. But being a leader and being (laughs) being being you know uh, you know more senior, so to (laughs) uh, so to speak. (laughs) Very polite, (laughs) uh, and here you are arguing with a
0: senior, (laughs) and you're a young person. That's (laughs) interesting. (laughs) Yes,
3: but that aside, that aside, yes, this certainly seems like a, a. the current situation in Zimbabwe certainly seems like, seems like a grand opening for some serious change. Yes. My only hope, my only hope is that, um, uh, is that you know, uh, whatever political change that can be brought to Zimbabwe will not have will not be coerced or brought, you know, brought with the quote unquote support of uh, Western intervention of any kind.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah. but the problem is, you know, uh, opposition has been so oppressed yes. in um, Zimbabwe that it's, it's so hard for people to get up and fight. And at the moment, the only form of opposition is in the NGOs, and that makes it very difficult for mm. them to do anything, because then they take out a dual role, being political and um, or very political and um, delivering whatever services they, they choose to deliver. But anyway, that's Zimbabwe. Now let's move on to Britain, because um, a few things have happened there, and um, I guess we, we know that um, uh, Theresa May has taken over the first I guess no not she's the first she's the second um, a female PM of uh, Britain. Yes,
3: indeed, she's the second. And if only. Yeah, well, <laughs> I really wish she was the first, though. Nah. To, what do I, difference does it make? Oh, no. because they all, all just think about it, think about Lolly. Yeah, and I know, I know. <laughs> if if Britain never had Margaret Thatcher, Hatcher, yes. it would have been a very very different different place. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: mm. Yeah. But the good thing is, um, Corbyn is charging ahead. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: indeed. Well, uh, there's been well, the, basically, basically the. Uh, the Blairite section of the, la- of the Leo Labour Party have been, has been t- trying to throw everything they possi- they can yes. possibly throw at. And I think pretty soon they're gonna they, uh, they're gonna uh, you know they're gonna start with throwing chairs uh, since they're running out of legal and political options. Hmm. Uh, uh, just this week just just this week and last week I heard that the um, uh, the the uh, f- the National Executive Council of the of the Labour Party throughout it. <sighs> threw out a a legal challenge from the Bay of Rights to prevent Jeremy from appearing on the ballot paper without right. um, <coughs> nominations of uh, Labour of of MPs, hmm. so because because Jeremy being the leader being the current does not doesn't have to be doesn't, have to, doesn't, have, to be, doesn't no. have to be nominated exactly because he ne- he didn't resign he didn't. Yeah, but um, uh, well, well, the gentleman, the the gen- the Blairite gentleman who uh, who, ch- who is challenging him for leadership at the moment, Owen Smith. I, well, first of all, nobody's heard of him. <laughs> 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 yeah, now they have.
4: Yeah,
0: seriously. Now yes, they Owen, have. Owen, <laughs> <laughs>
3: exactly, exactly. So, uh, well, I'm sure, I'm sure there, there's, uh, this has to be there 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 are plenty of Owen Smiths out there in uh, in Britain of the same name, but not. Not Jeremy, not not not, not stuff so for Jeremy Corbyn. No, uh, but
0: Owen Smith has a history. He yeah, that, um, yes, he does. Big farmer. <laughs> it's not only that he um, worked as a lobbyist for the Pfizer pharmaceutical company at international level. So, he's, he knows which side his bread's battered on. And imagine him taking over the Labour Party, he will be no mm. different from Theresa May, really, the Tories.
3: Well, but, well, not just a uh, lot, well, not just so, but uh, the lang, what, what I've been observing with the le- with the Labour leadership election this time around, is that Owen Smith has actually, uh, because Blair, the, the Bres, they basically know that they cannot win. They basically cannot win if they, uh, if they use the same arguments as they they used before. So it seems that Owen Smith has actually been co-opting the language of Jeremy Corbyn progressively. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was just about to add, actually. (laughs) Um, I've heard
2: that um, there was actually a recent sort of um, article I read um, in relation to the Firefighters Union. I think there was an accusation that Jeremy Corbyn... Um, didn't actually support stand up for firefighters. And, of course, but no, the Firefighters Union actually responded and said, no, Owen Smith has never stood with us. In fact, he supported austerity, whereas Jeremy Corbyn has always stood for our rights, always stood mm-hmm. for our wages, and
3: that was... Yeah. <laughs> and also and also the firefighters union in the UK actually recently reaffiliated i was getting
0: confused, the confused between the firefighters union in the UK and Australia as you're we talking. The, <laughs> UK,
3: <laughs> the firefighters Union in the UK actually actually reaffiliated to the Labour Party after Jeremy Corbyn became the leader yeah. and reaffiliated with the uh, trades union Council. The,
0: yeah. Well, the, the 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 main trade union uh, congress there, the TUC, yeah. um, is fully in support of Jeremy Corbyn. Oh, absolutely. In fact, Jeremy, si- yeah. he went up to to Scotland and he met up with um, a heap of miners there who mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. who were you know the the butt, I guess, of Thatcher's attacks. Yeah, in 80s. yeah, not not
3: Scotland. It was Durham, uh, which is a north north. Um, North East England, northeast England so the Durham Miners Gala. He was a guest of honor this yeah. time, uh, Sraman, and he, was, he received huge... Oh, yeah, yeah he, was he was a big was hit. Mass, mass, but, mass but the support. other
0: thing that went through last Monday in the British Parliament was the question of the Trident a nuclear submarine. Uh, which is going to cost mm. $205 billion. Mm, um, mm. It went through be- because of the Tories, of course, and um, the Labour parties uh, not completely. Majority of the, I think, 59 uh, parliamentarian, f- parliamentarians who don't like Corbyn voted with the Tories. Um, but there's enormous opposition among the people in, mm. in Britain. Especially Scotland. I was just going to say that. The key thing is the whole... Um, uh, Scottish National Party voted against it, and the Trident, which basically
3: means all of Scotland voted against That's it.
0: That's right. And the Trident is going to be built in Scotland. So, everything is stored in Scotland, all yeah. of Trident. So, they, they've got a massive battle in front of themselves because now they're going to go for a second referendum for independence in Scotland. That's too. quite likely.
3: Uh, th- but there's also, uh, from what I understand, there's also been, um, uh, certain sections of the uh, uh, w- so with, within the Labour Party, and uh, f- uh, one of the left-wing Labour MPs um, in, in the UK, Clive Lewis who uh, was one of the one of the allies and supporters of Jeremy Corbyn, has also, has also stated the, the the very real possibility of the, of the Labour Party forming progressive alliances with uh, with um, with other left-wing left parties or left-of-center parties like the Scottish National Party, the Plaid kimra the um, you know the SDLP in Northern Ireland and, um, uh, the, Gre- and Gre- the Greens as well, as the means of uh, as, as the way as the way of um, of actually you know fighting austerity together across all regions uh, of the UK. You know, of of course, all of this will be happening after Jeremy Corbyn wins the leadership election.
0: Okay, unfortunately, our third interviewee is unwell, so we just uh, were unable to have this that interview which would have been interesting is about the Aboriginal um issues I guess in connection with that um Northern Territory um Four Corners program as well. Um hmm. and the fact that twenty five years ago they had the Black Death and Castroal Commission and you know he would have been very good to talk
2: about it. Yep.
0: But anyway, let's move Thanks. on to announcements.
2: Alright, so um I guess I'll start with um the first announcement. Um if you're looking to pick up the latest Green Left Weekly, um, we will be having, um, there will be a Flind- a store where you, Green Left Weekly store from 4 to 6pm at Flinders Street Station. Um, on Saturday, um, this Saturday, there's going to be a rally organised by War in response to, um to um, the treatment of um, Indigenous sh- um, children in juvenile detention. Um, it's going to be sort of, um, it's going to be at one p.m. at the Melbourne State Library, and I think it would be definitely be important um, to make a stand against it. You know, to demand that these prisons, you know, be shut down. Um, and, um, and 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 yeah. But and um, another thing, there'll be um, there'll be a f- there'll be a forum. Um, at um, at the New International Bookshop called The Demise of the Left and Towards a Progressive Left Manifesto, which will be a ta- presentation given by Professor Bill Mitchell um, in relation to his upcoming book. Um, that will be at Thursday, the 4th of August at 7pm at the New International Bookshop, Trades Halls, 54 Victoria Street. Um, On Sunday, um, August 7th, there will be a fundraiser, Stand Against Racism. Um, It's going to be a fantastic night of entertainment, proudly brought to you by the Afro, Down Under, and Flemington and Kensington Community Legal Centre. And it it will be propelled by the common initiative that we stand together against racism and all forms of discrimination. Um, Entry is $25, and it will be at Sunday, August 7th, 7pm at the Poll Pole Bar and Kitchen, which is at 267 Little Collins Street in the city. Um, there will be a film screening of Jaffrey, um, every f- um, b- a documentary um, uh, about every uh, um, about an African-American man that can be found at the, you, can, you can see him actually in the mil- middle of Melbourne's busiest intersection standing silently and challenging the beliefs of the past fires. Um, this documentary explores the um, man behind the signs. It would be at Tuesday, August 9th 10am um, space at Collins 2078 Collins Street, and you can make bookings at miff.com.au. Um, on uh, there will be a pamphlet launch, racism: what it is and how to fight it. Co-author John Tully speaks about Resistance Books' new pamphlet exploring the historical roots of racism in the slave trade and in Australia. Australian White Settlement presented by Green Left Weekly. Entry five dollars three dollars. It's gonna be at Tuesday, August 9th, six thirty PM with a meal from six PM at the Resistance Centre, which is at level five, four hundred and seven Swanson Street City, opposite RMIT. Um there'll be a forum um to support the Kabani War Orphan School. Kurdish um, Defence Forces won an epic victory against ISIS in 2014 to 2015, um, but the city was wrecked. The Kurdish community in Australia is trying to raise $400,000 to help build a school for war orphans in the city. The school will be run on enlightened democratic principles. Um, the chairperson will be Colin Lung, the NTEU State Secretary, and I will have also Hazwin Aziz, presence of the Kobani Reconstruction Board, and it's organised by Australians for Kurdistan, and it will be at sh- Thursday, August 11th, 6:30 p.m. Um, at the Old Council Chambers in Trades Hall, which is at the corner of Lygon and Victoria Streets, Carlton South.
3: Um, yep, and, and of course, and of course, uh, don't uh, don't forget the aforementioned uh, rally in the by the, by the Kurdish and Turkish community. At state uh, this uh, Sunday, uh, Sunday at Federation, Federation Square. Square. Federation, sorry, Federation Square at three p.m. Sunday, yep. mm. uh, oh, 31st. Yes, yeah. Or July thirty-first.
0: Yes, it is. <laughs>
2: And um, also the um, the Bendigo Street occupation is still ongoing at the 18th Bendigo Street, Collingwood. Um, and
0: that's that's about the homeless people, you know. We've yep. been talking about throughout the election campaign and so on, about 1st time buyers and so on. And I think we need to revisit or refresh our memory about all those homeless people who are still hmm. suffering from the cold, the bitter cold, and some are sleeping in the streets. And these few people have been brave enough to occupy the houses in um, Collingwood. In Benigo Street, and they have maintained their occupation for about five, six weeks, or more than that, actually. Yeah, more than that, and it's been going on for months, actually. Yeah, it has been Mm. a few months now. So please support them, and I think this campaign is useful because, you know, it's really important that people are not homeless in a rich country like Australia. Hmm. So we need to support them. So if you've got, you know, a little bit of time on your hands, just at least drive across or drive over and and, um, have a chat to those people who are. Courage is enough to occupy a building and encouraging people to not sleep on the streets.
2: Mm. And um, also the Cubs um, Brewery Workers' Daily Protest is still, well, it is still happening because we were just talking about earlier yes, in the program, but the protest is happening from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day at Carlton and um, United Breweries, 7-7 um, South Bank Boulevard's uh, no, no, no. No, it's no actually, no. that's address is wrong. That's wrong. That's, yeah, get the uh, right Give me the right. right. Uh,
3: it's uh, South, Greece, uh, South South thing in South Crescent and in Abbotsford. That's the yep. real. Um, but address. actually,
2: there is, I'm pretty sure there is actually a protest every Thursday at. Um, 12 p.m. 12 to 1 p.m. at United Bre- Carlton United Brewery 77 South Bank Boulevard in South. Ah, I think um we were talking about um British politics um before. Um mm-hmm. we should actually maybe talk go back and talk about actually what's <laughs> happening in the United States right now. Yes. yes. And um um in terms of um what has actually happened was um the DNC nomination, well, the comp, it's the sort of conference that sort of decides. Yeah, the Democratic National
3: Convention. Yeah, Dimension. yeah, the Dimension. Democratic National Convention. And um, I can
2: give sort of just bi- I'll just give a sort of bits and pieces of actually what has happened recently. Um, Hillary Clinton has unfortunately got the nomination, um, but there was actually quite a lot of opposition. Um, in fact, um, Bernie Sanders actually gave a speech. Um, basically, he basically sort of said, "Oh yes, we need to u- unite." to um defeat trump we need to vote for Hillary clinton and he was actually booed on the stage and um the crowd were basically saying we want bernie we want bernie and then there was also actually lots of other protests um big protests from like you know socialists or these far left groups and um supporters of Bernie, you know, against, you know, um, Hillary Clinton. Um, in fact, um, the, the a journalist from Telesur was actually arrested. Yeah, Abby
3: Martin, Abby, Abby Martin, she's, she's been quite prominent uh, reporter, US reporter, not just in Telesur, but also uh, sort of right across the alternative media in the United yeah. States. Yeah, she was actually, yeah, she was violently arrested
2: at yeah. the DNC. Um, and but I guess um, what it sort of what this sort of shows, you know, just from these small snippets, is that even though you know Sanders says, you know, we could probably just say he's sold out <laughs> um, to the Clinton machine, um, the, the fact that he he's still you know um, energized, kind of like a, a, the social movements, and they're still actually looking for alternative. They're not just going to go. Except there's a, layer, a large layer of people who just aren't going to accept the lesser evil argument, and um, in fact people are actually turning towards Jill Stein of the Greens Party. That's right. And um, just on social media, there's um, actually uh, I have a friend in America um, on Facebook um, who's current um, he's an activist for um, and he's. Um, Current, his political party is currently streaming sort of like a, a forum, a public forum, about what next for, where the left can go next, and it has, and it features a speaker from the Greens Party, um, Shesawant, who's an elected, um, socialist councillor in Seattle, and also, uh, a representative from, I think, his, um, his political party, yep. uh, people, um, uh, Party for Socialism and Liberation. Yeah,
3: because uh, uh, She's not in the Greens Party. She's in. The oh no, socialist. I, she was she's in a, socialist. Social I said she's socialist. Yeah, socialist alternative. Well, that's the that's the, that's the, the American of the party. So American, yeah. American, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
2: I didn't say she was. So, so I said she was a socialist. Yeah. There's a Greens Party oh, so yeah. Yeah. a separate speaker. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah just, to quite, speak just to slowly. Yeah, <laughs> <you can> <laughs>
0: part, it comes out as one string and can be But yeah, so it's it's interesting. It's time has actually come out and said those who are you know, uh, wanting to oppose both major parties should come and join us. And there are people joining hand over fist, mm. you know, in, in, they're joining the Greens, mm. which is a good sign. Mm. So there's a shift. And I think it's wrong to expect um, Bernie Sanders to be a radical socialist. He is what he is. He's a Democrat. Yep. And he's mm-hmm. not going to split the Democratic Party.
3: There's been a lot of comparisons made between Sanders and Corbyn. But yeah, the one huge difference is the fact that Corbyn is the leader
4: yes. of the Labour Party. And Sanders he's, is not. And he declares himself leader.
0: to be a socialist. Corbyn is strongly, um, yeah. you know, believes in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he may not be left enough for some lefties, but the fact that mm-hmm. he's taken a whole generation to the left of the ALP, yeah. Yeah. so has Corbyn. Yeah. But it, uh, Corbyn's doing differently. Yep. You yes. know, he's actually going out there and he's fighting the machinery. Hmm. Whereas Saunders is Wayne, uh, if, if, he stu- if, if, if he stood independently, it means he'll split the Democratic Party, and that's what he's worried about. Yeah, he's worried yes. that, tru- that Trump will win. He yeah. may win anyway, but regardless, Saunders doesn't want to be blamed for it. Hmm.
2: Um, well, just one sort of... Um Thing about um, the comparison between Corbyn and Sanders. I think the one sort of difference is Sanders' brand of socialism is actually most, he refers to more sort of Scandinavian sort of social yes. democracy. Whereas Nash I would say, Capitalism. I would say Corbyn is actually ideologically a socialist. He's always been mm. part of mm. the struggles he, yes, from exactly. day one. Of course, even Sanders has Sanders. actually some credit to that as well. I mean, he was sure. arrested for protesting civil rights, but. Um, Corbyn is much deeper in the grassroots than Sanders Absolutely. has ever been. Absolutely. I think he to
0: recognise the limitations and accept them for what they are rather than criticising them. Yeah, you know, for us to expect more than what they can offer, it's yep, not yeah. right. I guess
2: one just one comment about the Democrats, um, they've um, an interesting kind of thing is they've been sort of um, winning sort of elections on this basis of lesser evil. Um, and what's what's interesting is... So have the Greens here. Um, every But every election, um, it seems the bar just keeps getting lowered because Hillary Clinton is much further to the right than Obama. And, in fact, um, her, her foreign policy is actually been um, analysed by experts um, and um, political commentators as being to the right of George W. Bush, especially on the question of Palestine rights and Israel.
0: But don't forget, Hillary Clinton doesn't operate on her own. She represents a machine, a political party, um, that forms those policies. And, um, you know, you, you can't isolate her. But the fact remains that um, she is part of the whole picture. She's not alone. You know, she doesn't go off on her own and make up these policies and act on the policies. It is part of the (laughs) – Dennis is having trouble with this chair here. (laughs) Mm. So it is a question of um, understanding that it is the party as a whole that forms – And implements his policies. Hmm. She she also happens to lead those policies. That's Hmm. the difference. She actively participates in it, and Hmm. that's her role, and that's what she does. And and we have to recognize that. You know, Hmm. to to just single her out. Not that I support her. I think it's it it's misunderstanding the party as a whole. Hmm. You know.
3: Yes, and but 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 also what we uh, what we have to (laughs) remember is that. You know, there's been a bit of a uh, on the whole question of sort of lesser uh, evilism. There's also lesser evilism. There's also been, uh, you know, uh, well, when it comes to lesser evilism between Trump and Hillary, sometimes it's actually been hard to distinguish which one is lesser or or, or, or greater. That's especially considering the role that Hillary Clinton has played as played in orchestrating interventions and coups throughout South America. Mm, as there was a absolutely. there was a really good article recently on um, on on, Tel- on which um which basically descri- uh, described the uh, the role that uh, Clinton played as Secretary of State in creating and funding fi- opposition and destabilization in venezuela while uh, yes. uh, sorry, while chavez was uh, while, while hugo chavez was the president and um, after that uh, as well and not let 's not forget also not not forget uh, the coup which the United States orchestrated in Honduras and helped to orchestrate in uh, Paraguay and, of course, the, you know, the continuous murder and oppression of environmental activists. In and also Central the support
0: American. for the uh, Zionist regime, don't forget. Yeah, yes, a major catastrophe-causing um, situation in the Middle East. In fact, some see it as a trigger for all the unrest in the Middle East in addition to the greed for oil um, in the Middle East. Mm. uh, Throw in the sheikhs, the very rich Mm. sheikhs Who have lots of money that can Mm. Be offered up to the um, rich In the um, western world
2: yeah the interesting thing about trump is i guess um the fact that none of the other republican sort of nominees have actually gone on as far to endorse him not quite <laughs> and in, in fact um i've i've actually um heard specifically that actually a lot of Rep- um would be republican a lot of republicans are actually planning on voting for clinton over trump um because trump is um representing kind of it's sort of te- his the, the fact that he's gone this far is actually tearing up the Republican Party in a number of ways. Um, no,
0: I, I, I disagree with that. I don't think he's tearing up the Republican Party. He's taken an opportunity to step into a vacuum um, where the working class people have been abandoned by both parties. Hmm. So the frustration of um, not being able to live a halfway decent life. This is one of the most powerful, richest country in the world and they haven't finished fixing up the uh, victims of um, uh, Katrina down Mm -hmm. south, you know, and people are still homeless in that area. It's about more than 10 years now. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the frustration of the poor people and probably the middle class people and the frustration that these two parties are not meeting their needs is being vented in the form of Trump. They may not all agree with Trump, but it's more protestable um, from what many an- analysts are saying this, and I, I feel that's the same, mm-hmm. because this guy is, is completely um, vacant of his commitment to workers. He, he, he talks that he, the, in a way that he sounds like he's going to support workers, but all his life he's been beating down. Any wage rises, better working conditions, Mm. and and his track record is very clear. Mm. But why would workers vote vote for him? He's hated the blacks. He's hated the Mexicans. And yet, sections of the black community and the Latin Latin American community will be voting for him. Mm. That's why he is where he is today. So I think we need to be be very careful about um, not just individuals, but also you know how a political situation and perhaps the environment – um, encourage people to, to cast those protest votes. There's
2: also, I guess, maybe a sort of cultural thing with um, Trump in that. Trump, I, I would actually say in some ways, Trump taught in the way he, the language he kind of uses... Um, sort of appeals, more works along sort of class lines. In fact he kind of like uses a sort of lot of language about, you know, jobs and you know, growth. and growth and, <laughs> um, yeah. and. but he also <laughs> the interesting thing about <laughs> Trump is actually he's, um, he fits within sort of, um, in Europe right now there's sort of a rise of, you know, sort of far oh, right parties and a lot of these far right parties in Europe are actually opposed to sort of this sort of globalisation um, and in fact Trump has been on record to say that he is actually opposed to the TPP for that re- for one of the reasons of national sovereignty, um, which is interesting. Not that I would support, I'm not supporting Trump here, but it is. Um, but Hillary Clinton has not been on the same. Well, Hillary Clinton has actually said she's opposed. She's opposed
0: to TPP very clearly. Um, but oh, yeah, I think um,
2: though, my my understanding is she said that in response to the left pressure brought forth by Sanders. That was during the nomination process. Um, because Obama has previously been had some passive support from the TPP, for um, minor saying So there's no guarantee that Clinton would... Um, of course, there's no guarantee that Trump would be opposed to the TPP, and he could be just saying he's opposed to the TPP just to cynically win votes amongst he, working people.
0: In the election situation, I don't trust anything they say. They yeah. will say things just to get the votes, and that's what worries um, most voters, I suppose. You know, mm. they're genuinely committed to what they're saying at the moment. They've always our situations have changed, so we have to change our mind. You know, world economics has changed, so we've got to change our mind. It, it goes on like that. But anyway, we've seen all that before. Jobs and growth. We've heard that before, Dennis, have yes, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Now rounding up. Thanks to Tashara Roberts from Le, the Bendigo campus of the La Trobe University, talking about the cuts to the art faculty in um, La Trobe University and the fact that the news hasn't hit the mainstream media and the fact that they are replacing all those um, arts courses with uh, truncated um, alternatives is uh, causing a lot of angst among the students and staff probably about five, five and a half, six EFTs are going to go. Um, And we heard from Hamad Rahman who talked about the plight of the Kurds and the ongoing plight over the last 40, 50 years really. Uh, They've been fighting for um, land rights, so to speak. They were divided into four um, post-Ottoman Empire, and that battle's still going on. And we've been chatting about a variety of issues, and I think what had the most impact, and Dennis probably missed out on this part of the conversation, was the Four Colors program on Monday. What was your yes, view? Certainly. We missed out on your view on that. Uh, yes, yes, <laughs>
3: yes. Well, actually, it's... Um I think it's a, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good comparison to see what the Australian government has been doing overseas in in the the refugee detention camps. That's right. And now that this has been revealed to be also taking place on the Australian soil, that's what's, that, that has actually, uh, you know, you know, the spark that is, the spark that is driven all this outrage. So, but it's, (laughs) you know, the, the royal commission, which Malcolm Turnbull announced uh, straight away into that uh, into it, it feels like <sighs> not just uh, trying to save, you know, trying to save the face of Australia for so this tra- face uh, save the face of the Australian government. But it, it, it kind of, almost parallels the Northern Territory intervention really, that really has been ta- taking place pre- previously. It doesn't feel like it could actually so- solve any of the problems, no. waste taxpayer money, and could actually mm-hmm. be potentially harmful if it. Declares that was just a one-off incident. Nothing happens. Nothing to see here, guys. Yeah. Move on.
2: Well, I think there's a there's a sort of um, very strong. I will end it on this note. Um, very strong hypocrisy from um, on basis of the Northern Territory intervention. And I'm sort of quote. Sue Bolton has like a statement in will be in the next week's Green Left Weekly uh, about this. And it's like it's completely hypocritical um, that you know the Northern Territory intervention was um, done on the basis they sent all this military on the basis of false child abuse claims. Um, and then we find out there's actually real child abuse happening in these juvenile detentions. That's right. And are they sending the armies in to shut down these prisons yeah. and you know put put, um, put these people in jail? No, they're not. It's it's a joke. <laughs> the yes.
0: staff are all ex-army, ex-wrestlers, ex-boxers, ex-police. Yes. You know how can they send the authority against ex-authority personnel? It's a contradiction. But anyway, let's end on the uh, end on that note. And thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did. Um, you've been listening to Green Love Weekly and uh, Radio and Friday Breakfast um, saying goodbye. Dennis, Jacob and Lalitha will be back again next Friday. Goodbye.